What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode eight of the Gridiron Authority podcast. I'm Keith Orton, and with me, as always, is Mike Adams. What's happening, Mike? Oh, we got a lot this week. We got breaking news throughout the NFL. We got coverage on week three of the preseason, and we'll give you the fantasy updates and the impacts of all this news throughout the episode as well. So a lot lot going on this episode, and uh, let's get to it. Stay tuned. Okay, week three of the preseason is in the books, and we have some of the most shocking news that we've had in the NFL in quite some time. Uh, last week, we talked about Andrew Luck's injury and how serious it was, and all indications were that he would be ready for week one. Uh, Saturday night, the news broke that he is officially retired from the NFL. Uh, we're talking about one of the guys who was one of the most hyped prospects we've ever seen coming out of college. He was taken number one in the 2012 draft by the Colts. Played seven seasons in the NFL. In 2018, he won the Comeback Player of the Year and made his fourth Pro Bowl. And this season, he's done. He's retired. What do you think of that, Mike? And I'm just as shocked as everyone else. I think no one saw this coming from, you know, like this at least. Um, when you really break it down, it's not super shocking. Uh, when you really look into it with the injuries he suffered and everything he's kind of gone through. Uh, it's not super shocking that he would choose his health over over football with the type of person Andrew Luck is. He's a well-educated man. Uh, I mean, he really thinks about stuff outside of football, and if he has other interests outside of football, and when you factor all that stuff in, it's it's not really shocking that he would do this, uh, or it's not really surprising that he would do it. It was shocking, obviously, um, but it's not surprising when you really break it down. Um, I mean, he like I said, he does have a lot of interests outside of football, and I know you know, his mind is his mind and his body is more important to him than winning a football game as it should be, honestly. Uh, so it's not it's not as surprising as as a lot of people think when you really break it down. But I mean, it is shocking. I mean, no one no one saw the, you know, after the amazing comeback he had last year and taking the Colts to the playoffs, making the Pro Bowl, obviously no one saw it coming this quickly, obviously, especially over what appears to be, you know, an ankle injury um, that must be more severe than we thought. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, it is shocking. It's, it's a unfortunate, uh, circumstance for the Colts and the, you know, city of Indianapolis and all that. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's not great for them. It's obviously going to kind of put a, a, a dent in their season and probably make them the, the favorites to lose the AFC South or to come in last place. They're probably looking at a top five pick in the NFL draft next year because of this. So, you know, for a team that had Super Bowl aspirations now to be where they're at, it's, it is pretty, pretty shocking and a little disappointing as a fan, I'm sure. Yeah. And speaking of the fans uh, last night, the news broke. He's standing on the sidelines of the preseason game. As he's walking off the field, the Colts fans boo him off the field which to me is completely disrespectful. I think what people don't realize and they don't really think about is these are actual people playing the game. A lot of times people look at their fantasy teams and they look at, oh, well, the Colts were Super Bowl favorites, and these guys are just numbers to them. Uh, this is a, a guy who it seems to be injured all the time, and as he said in his press conference, is constantly going through the process of rehabbing, doing all this stuff. Um, I, I think good for him if this is what he has to do to get healthy. It is a little shocking because we've heard in 2018 that he had contemplated retirement when he had that shoulder injury. Um, but I think what caught everyone off guard is he comes back, he wins comeback player of the year, has one of his most dominant seasons ever. Uh, so it was a little shocking in that in that perspective. But I just think the one thing we all need to focus on as fans is that these are real people we're talking about here. Yeah, I mean it's it was unfortunate the Colts fans reacted like that. I don't I don't think that's the fan base as a whole. I think that's just some of the fans reacting poorly and probably reacting in the moment more than anything. Um, but it is it is unfortunate. I mean, he doesn't owe them anything. He's he's come in there, he played seven years for him, uh, won multiple awards for him, took him to the playoffs multiple times. Uh, really helped lift that franchise back out of the gutter um, after the end of Peyton Manning. 
I mean, he doesn't owe him anything, but for them to show him that type of respect was a little disappointing because they are, I mean, they are, you know, people at the end of the day, they're not just numbers on, on a piece of paper and, and for them just to immediately turn their back on him, it was, it was disappointing. And I mean, to me, I, I'd ask the fans to sit there and say, okay, imagine if you're sick one day and you need to call into work or, you know, something happens and you decide you have to leave your job for something else. And then as you're leaving your job, everyone boos you. And it's not a joke. Uh, you're making the best decision for yourself and yet you're still being ridiculed for it. So imagine that to you because that's essentially what they just did to Andrew Luck. So, I mean, he's making the decision that's right for him. That's right for his family. And, and uh, you know, he's being ridiculed for it with, with no merit really. I mean, he's, he's given that city enough. Uh, obviously he wanted to give it more. Obviously they wanted more, but he doesn't, he doesn't know him anything and he doesn't deserve to be treated like that. Yeah. And this, this spans farther out than just Andrew Luck, too. I see guys like uh, Jordan Reed. We even have kind of, I don't want to say poked fun at the fact that he's always injured, but I saw a report last week, his seventh documented concussion, and he's in concussion protocol now. Um, I would like to see guys like that walk away from the game because they may seem fine after they recover from this concussion, and we may love to have him back on fantasy teams and all this stuff, but what we really need to think about is seven concussions. You're going to, you're going to regret that later in life. And I hate to see players go down that road. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing that with, with all this, the, uh, the CTE news coming forward over the last decade or so. And even, even players that were playing, uh, as recently as five, 10 years ago, um, are really seeing those effects, you know, as chiefs fans, you know, we've both seen the stuff on Larry Johnson, how he goes through days without remembering stuff, or he forgets, you know, he forgets different things happen throughout his lifetime and he has anger outbursts. I mean, he's, he's, uh, suffering what appears to be, you know, the, the state, the early stages or, or even advanced stages, honestly, of CTE. And I mean, he's still a young guy. I don't even think he's 40 years old yet. Uh, you know, and that's, I mean, unfortunately that's kind of the road Jordan Reed looks like he's going to be going down soon too. Uh, which is, is unfortunate because all people care about, they don't, they don't care about that. They care about, you know, they seem to care about you as long as you're putting up the stats and you're, as long as you're helping your, your team win. And, uh, I mean, I think people really need to reflect and, and just kind of look back and say, Hey, these guys are players first. And if they're, you know, doing what's best for them, then that's great, you know, good for them for being able to call it quits early without suffering any major injuries, because, you know, 10 years after you retire and, you know, your money starts running out a little bit and, and, uh, you know, all you're really going to have is that mind. And, and, uh, I'm sure a lot of those guys would want that back. So it's, I mean, it, it's unfortunate. I'm glad Andrew Luck retired, honestly, if that's what he wanted and that's where he's at, good for him. Uh, and hopefully, I mean, he he kind of gets that joy in life back uh, now that he's retired. I know he he focuses on a lot of like book clubs and chess clubs and you know dish, different activities like that. Uh, so I, I mean, hopefully he can focus on that kind of stuff and really get his joy back in life and and uh, have a good retirement. And I still think he has more to offer too. I don't think he's going to just completely walk away from football, maybe for a few years until he can get that love of the sport back. But I feel like he'll come back in a coaching capacity or he's smart enough and he's a good enough offensive mind that I think he has a future in that. If that's the route he wants to go down, if he does want to just completely walk away from the game, that's completely understandable too. Absolutely. I mean, I think he'd make a great coach if he wants to. I think a lot of teams would be interested to get him in that, into that type of position. Um, but I mean, I, I definitely see him taking at least a few years off after this and, and, uh, really getting his mind straight and just kind of focusing on his other joys in life and, and, uh, gathering, you know, just kind of gathering that love of the game back. And if it ever comes back to him the way he wants, then I could definitely see him either getting into a front office position or potentially a coaching position. And, uh, and it may not even be at the NFL level. It could be college or it could be high school. You know, he may just want to go teach high school kids, you know, the, the basics of, of an offense. And, you know, that could be enough to, you know, to kind of fill that desire that he has, you know, to, to be back around football at that point. So um, I do see him getting back into football at some point down the line, but it, I think he's going to take, take some uh, time to himself. So. And good for the Colts. I did hear a report earlier today that by rule, they could have requested or demanded really that Andrew Luck pay back up to 25 million of his signing bonus 
um, and they declined doing that. So good for them to kind of set him up in his retirement a little bit better. Um, I know that the fans weren't so grateful, but it seems that the front office and the coaches did the right thing. Absolutely. I think that's a, a really great move by the Colts, and other teams should really look into that. So let's take the emotions and the personal side out of it. The Colts were a team that a lot of people considered as a Super Bowl, kind of a dark horse to get there. They have a ton of talent all over the field, one of the best offensive lines in the game. Um, how much does that change with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback? I mean, they're honestly, they're the last place team now. Um, I think having that offensive line and having that depth at running back, they do, they have several great running backs there that they, they can do a really stacked running back by committee. Um, and their, their, their defensive, uh, defensive unit is, is an above average unit. I don't think it quite gets the credit it deserves, but they have some really tremendous players on defense. Um, but I, I just don't think they're going to get enough play out of the quarterback. And, and that's, I'm not trying to knock Jacoby Brissett. Um, I think he's a valuable backup quarterback. I, um, I just don't think he's an NFL starter at the moment. And, um, and so I, I, with how deep that division is and the comeback, I expect the Jaguars to have, I, I do expect the Colts to slip to unfortunately, probably fourth in that division. So it's, it's an unfortunate uh, turn for the Colts for a team that even as, as of, you know, really this time the other day we were we were considering them a Super Bowl favorite you know or or at least contender and uh for them to go from that to what I think will probably be a potential top five or at least a top 10 pick is is really unfortunate so let's look at the AFC South as a whole here um, other news coming out of last night Lamar Miller torn ACL and MCL he's done for the season we had talked about that in previous episodes when they traded for Duke Johnson. I think we said that Duke Johnson is a an RB2, RB3 in fantasy, but if Lamar Miller gets hurt, which there was a history there, he jumps into the starting spot. How much worse are the Texans with Lamar Miller gone? Uh, I think they're worse, but I don't think it's – it's obviously not an Andrew Luck level. Um, Lamar Miller, to me, is a top 12 running back in the NFL overall. Uh, he runs the ball pretty well. He has He has above average hands. Uh, he brings some diversity to that that position and uh, and a special dynamic to that position, I think. And and he's a he's a very solid running back. Um, they're obviously going to be hurting without him, but I do think Duke Johnson can come in and and fill that position well enough. Um, I don't think he's better than Lamar Miller, um, but I think he can fill that position well enough to uh, to keep the you know the Texans run game afloat essentially. And and from a fantasy aspect. You know, I, he goes from an RB3 to at least a high, high RB2 and potentially a low RB1. Um, but uh, a huge fantasy impact, obviously. I mean, if you've already done your drafting, you lost Lamar Miller, you lost a, a legit, you know, RB1 to, you know, low RB1, high RB2 running back. But, uh, you know, if you gained, if you had Duke Johnson on your team, you just got a huge boost. So. So here's what I wanted to look at on the AFC South. <clears throat> if you look at the starting quarterbacks now, you've got Deshaun Watson for the Texans, Nick Foles for the Jaguars, Marcus Mariota for the Titans, and Jacoby Brissett for the Colts. So what we're basically saying here is you've got three really fringe starting quarterbacks with Nick Foles, Mariota, and Brissett. I think they both they all could be like good starters, but I don't think that they're like solid starters by any means. You've got Deshaun Watson who's had some injuries in the past. I feel like this is the weakest division and and I think it's wide open at in this division because of the quarterback situations. Yeah, I mean I I I think uh Mariota if he's ever if he could one if he could ever stay healthy and two if he could ever get the right weapons around him. I think Mariota could be an explosive NFL quarterback. I mean he he hasn't had a bad career. He's taken the Titans to the playoffs before. He's won some playoff games. Uh, we were at one of those playoff games. He won actually against Kansas City a couple of years ago, unfortunately. Yeah, he caught his own touchdown pass in that game. That was a little ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he's he's a guy that's had some success. I just don't think they've never really had those receiver weapons around him that he truly needs. Um, and they're just now kind of really getting that 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 uh, set, you know, balanced running game that he needs. 
So I, I mean, with the right weapons, I think he's a, I think he could be a great NFL quarterback right now. I think he's average. Uh, Nick Foles, you just never know what you're going to get with Nick Foles. I mean, you know, one year in Philadelphia, I think he threw 29 touchdowns to two interceptions, and then, you know, went off to, you know, went off for a few years and was just terrible. Uh, and then came back to Philadelphia, filled in for an injured Carson Wentz, and you know, won a Super Bowl. Uh, so it's you never really know what you're going to get from from Nick Foles. I, I I do believe he's a an NFL starter, but not necessarily a great one. You know, in a 16 game season, Jacoby Brissett's the worst one. Um, and again, I'm not trying to rag on Jacoby Brissett. Uh, I think he could. I think he can have some success if the coaches allow him to do that. If they, you know, play that offense of take what you get. You know, take what the defense gives you style offense. Um, I think he can manage a game properly. I just don't know if he's going to win you the game. So here's my hot take here. I've got this crazy hot take. I think Nick Foles is going to win this division with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Looking at the Texans, I heard uh, a rumor. It's not really a rumor. It's kind of a, that he's demanded it. It sounds like Jadavion Clowney might be traded by week one. Um, they showed last night that against the Cowboys, they have almost no depth anywhere on that team. Offensive line, running back now, quarterback, they just don't have depth, even at wide receiver outside of DeAndre Hopkins and, and uh, Cutie. So I, I just feel like they're one injury away from being the bottom of that. So I think if you look at Nick Foles, Leonard Fournette, they've got a great defense. They've got a couple good wide receivers. I know they got Chris Conley from the Chiefs. I think that they're going to make a make some noise in this division this year. I think they're going to be a lot better than than that five win team they were last year. Uh, I mean, that is the dangerous thing with the Texans is they're always one one injury away from from losing it all. Um, they don't have a lot of depth, but talent wise, if they're able to stay healthy, uh, they should run away with this division now. Honestly, um, Deshaun Watson, I think, is far superior to any other quarterback in that division. I think Deshaun Watson's easily a top 10 quarterback in the NFL and potentially higher. Uh, he's he's had a great career so far, you know, despite, you know, playing a season and a half. I mean, he's that season and a half that he's played. He's been phenomenal. So but like you said, they are one injury away from from just, you know, going from winning the division to, you know, potentially being second to last. So uh, the Jadavion Clowney thing is obviously something to keep an eye on um, because, I mean, he's a huge part of their their defense. And even though he doesn't necessarily put up the sack numbers that that uh, J.J. Watt puts up, I mean, he's just as effective because he takes that pressure off of J.J. Watt. You know, he allow, it forces other teams to focus on him, which gives J.J. Watt those one-on-one matchups. So, I mean, from that standpoint, you know, he's a huge asset to that defense. Uh, it's definitely worth noting, um, to see if he does get traded. If you haven't done your fantasy draft yet, factor that in, uh, if you're thinking about taking the Texans defense. So, um, I, I still think the Texans are going to take the division because Deshaun Watson's just that good. Deandre Hopkins is that good. JJ Watts that good. Um, but if they suffer one or two more serious injuries, then, then they are done. I feel like the trade that almost makes too much sense is if they were to trade Jadavion Clowney to the Redskins for Trent Williams, because the thing that, and we kind of just both hit on it, the the key to their entire season is to keep Deshaun Watson on the field. And with the sacks he's taken in recent years and the way he kind of runs it, it's not for certain. So Trent Williams, he's done. He doesn't want to play at the Redskins. Javion Clowney doesn't want to play at the Texans. Uh, I feel like that's a trade that could happen. So keep your eye on it. If it does, I think it makes sense for both parties and, and uh, the only person, like you were kind of saying, I feel like if Jadavion Clowney's on the field, J.J. Watt's production goes down because of it, because then there's one less body that they have to block, really. Um, but I feel like if they're going to do a trade, it needs to be for protection for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I think that's an interesting trade to to look into. They definitely need some offensive linemen down there. Keeping Deshaun Watson up on his feet is obviously uh, goal number one but i think another interesting trade to look at especially after the lamar miller injury now is do you consider going and talking to the chargers and potentially making a, a jadavion Clowney for melvin gordon uh, being getting melvin gordon getting that type of player that type of production uh you know it'd be an increase over lamar miller so now all of a sudden your offense is actually better than it was before 
uh, and you, you know, you're getting some stuff out of it. So is that a trade that we consider, you know, that the, the Texans consider making, is that a trade that they even look into or, or do they just kind of hold firm and don't even consider trading Jadavion Clowney and force his hand to play? So I think that's after that Lamar, uh, Lamar Miller injury. I think that's really something to look into and something to potentially look out for, honestly. Yeah, keep an eye out for that for fantasy purposes. Uh, as of right now, we won't touch too much on it because I feel like we're beating a dead horse, but it does not appear that Melvin Gordon is going to work out a deal with the Chargers before week one. So if, if that happens, it's going to happen quick. So pay attention. Absolutely. All right, now let's take a look at week three fantasy stocks, see who's rising and who's falling. Um, let's go to the rising people first. I've got number one, Jimmy Garoppolo against the Chiefs. He goes 14 of 20 for 188 yards and a touchdown. Uh, pretty good bounce back for him, Mike. I mean, he was doing it against uh, a, a rebuilt defense, but I think just seeing that confidence, I mean, he made a few bad throws early, but once he he kind of got his feet set, he got that confidence going, you, you see what type of player he is. So uh, definitely someone to keep an eye out if you haven't done your draft yet. And if you have, if he's still on the free agent wire, Definitely someone to look into. Uh, keep an eye on the next preseason game. And, uh, yeah, definitely stock up. He had a great performance last night. I'm interested to see if it continues. Yeah, and I think he's been going undrafted in a lot of leagues. So if you're one of those people who had Andrew Luck, he might not be a bad target to look at. Absolutely. In the same game, Damian Williams finally gets into the field for the Chiefs. They kind of talked about doing a running back by committee. He comes out with the ones. Has a really good game, including a wheel route for 62 yards from Mahomes. Um, I feel like he kind of solidified himself as that number one again, and he really needs to to avoid the committee. I mean, I think I think he is another one that had a great game. He was a guy that needed to come out and prove something. He hasn't really been practicing a lot. Uh, hasn't really seen much preseason action. Um, so I think he was one that needed, again, to, pr- to prove himself. I don't think it was a confidence thing from him. I think it was just getting on the field for him. So, I mean, he's shown if he can stay healthy, he's going to be an asset to that offense. He'll be an asset to your fantasy team. Uh, definitely, definitely as a as a high RB1 to uh, low RB2. But uh, again, keep an eye on the injury stuff just in case and keep an eye on if they do try and implement a no running back by committee. But if he can lock that position down by himself, he's he's going to be an asset for you. And staying on running back, I've got Dalvin Cook on here. Um, a couple years ago, he had a great start to his rookie year, cut short by an ACL injury. Um, he was injured for a little bit of last year, and then he came on, was a little bit rusty. Um, he had a limited game action for the Vikings, but on he made the most of it with an 85-yard touchdown run on limited action. Um, I'm thinking he's solidifying his, his stance as an RB1. I think he's another one. I think what a lot of people don't realize with these ACL injuries or running backs, very few people come back uh, in their first season back from an ACL or MCL, PCL, LCL injury, any of those injuries. Very few people come back as the same running back the first year back. It's usually the second year back. Uh, Adrian Peterson a few years ago was the exception. But most most of the time, it's that second year back is where you see that explosion and that cutting ability and 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 just the confidence in in your your physical ability. You know that trust in your knee that is not going to give out on you. And we're starting to see that from Dalvin Cook. And if if he gets back to how he's running the early part of his rookie season, then he is a I mean he's a top ten back without doubt. And he's definitely an RB one. Uh, I think at this point with what he's shown us so far, I, I think he's worth the risk uh, of using a high draft pick on him, honestly. So in red, in Washington, I've got Case Keenum on here as, as a rising fantasy stock, not because he did well, but because he's finally named the starter going into week one. I still have him as a QB three because I don't know how long it's going to last, but what do you think about Case Keenum? Yeah, I mean he's a he's a guy. If if you're just looking for a solid backup to come in, and you you know your quarterback gets hurt for a week, and you just need someone to play, he's a guy to keep an eye out for. But I I still wouldn't want him um, starting more than a game for me. And honestly, I still don't even want him starting a game for me. Um, I mean his stock has gone up simply because he has been named the starter, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's a valuable fantasy quarterback. 
Um, but if you're in a pinch, he's there. He's got starting experience. He's got some good weapons around him. He might be able to pull off some good games for you. So keep an eye on him. And uh, like I said, if you're in a pinch, go looking. Yeah, and in leagues with a super flex position where you have a quarterback that you can st- you can start two quarterbacks, I think he's a good QB three. So as a backup, just in case one of your two starters gets injured, but I definitely wouldn't have him as a one or a two. Yeah, no, not not trusting him uh, at this point, but we'll see. So on to another quarterback. We've been talking about him all preseason. Is Daniel Jones had another solid showing in his third preseason game. He's been one of the real stars of the preseason so far. Um, still undetermined if if or when he's going to play this season, but I think when he does eventually get in, I think he's going to be a solid quarterback for you. I mean, I, I there's definitely no one to draft right now unless you're in a keeper league and you just want to stash him. Um, but I mean, Eli Manning's going to be the guy that starts early on, but it is from a, from if you're a giants fan or if you're a giants player or a giants front office guy, it's nice to see that he's coming in and making plays and he's leading the team on scoring drives. And if you watch a lot of his games, he's not doing it because of his physical abilities that people have, have constantly nagged him about. He doesn't have the strongest arm and he's not the tallest guy and he's not very, he's not super mobile. Um, he's doing it you know, by again, taking what the defense gives him, um, which I think that is something that a lot of quarterbacks, you know, overlook and they don't capitalize on. And if he keeps doing that, he's going to be a good uh, fantasy quarterback down the line. Maybe not this year, maybe not early part of the year, at least, but down the line, we're looking at next year, maybe the year after um, he's going to be a good quarterback down the line, just because he's shown that he can control the ball yet still move the offense. And, uh, with those types of guys, those are the guys that don't commit many turnovers. They may not blow up your stat board, but they're not gonna they're not gonna ruin a game for you either. They're gonna come out and get you the fifteen to twenty points a game. Uh, they won't rarely get you, or they'll rarely get you less than that. But you know, they may not necessarily put up the forty point games. And I think that's what Daniel Jones is going to turn into eventually. Exactly. So let's go to some falling stocks, and let's start with the starter there, Eli Manning. Um, I have him as a falling stock, not because of his play because he hasn't played much. And when he has played, he's just, you know, he's been himself kind of pedestrian stats. The thing that I noticed in the post game, looking at the post game interviews in the locker room, Daniel Jones locker, completely surrounded by reporters, just mugging him. Eli Manning sitting in the corner as the starter, not a single soul talking to him. I feel like he's going to have the shortest leash in the NFL. If he has, let's say we're at week three and he throws three or four picks I think he's gone, and I think Daniel Jones starts. Um, I don't know that that's the right move. I think it's probably a mistake, and I'd like to see Jones sit all year, but I, you can just kind of feel that the wheels in motion on getting Eli Manning out of there. I mean, I, I think he's still an effective quarterback in the right situation, but I do believe he's going to have a pretty short leash. Uh, I don't think he's he's going to be given that much uh, leeway to make mistakes. So I, I think he's, he's a guy that's uh, f- stock is falling only because of the situation he's in, not necessarily because of his skills. Like I said, I think in the right situation, he could still be productive. He could still be efficient uh, and he can still win some games. I just don't think New York is that situation for him anymore. So I would not want him uh, anything more than a QB two. And honestly, there's enough quarterbacks out there that, uh, you may not even need him as a QB two, honestly. So, and when you really look at what he's working with this year, I think this is where he's going to fall into this trap. So, for first four games, Golden Tate suspended. Um, Sterling Shepard's been dinged up. Odell Beckham's gone. He really doesn't have much to throw to outside of maybe Evan Ingram at at tight end. So, you're looking at him not having much to work with through the first four games, where he's probably going to struggle. Um, then I could see something happening where he gets pulled. Daniel Jones comes in while they're getting Golden Tate back, and it'll look great for him because he's going to have a little bit more weapons. So I feel like it's a it's a real slippery slope for Eli Manning. Yeah, like I said, I think not necessarily on based on his skills. I think it's based on his situation that he's in, and, and that's what's going to get him in the end. I think, but. I mean, right now, you know, he may come out and play really well early on and and lock down the job, at least for the season. So we'll see. So staying on the quarterback train here on falling stocks, I've got Cam Newton on here. Uh, 
he gets a ankle sprain, walks out in a walking boot. Reports are he will practice this week, but you've heard all offseason that he maybe wasn't even 100% back from his shoulder injury from last year. Now he's got a walking boot on. Um, I've just got his stock low because I, I don't really even know. Kind of like Andrew Luck was a little bit earlier where you, he's got these injuries nagging all over. How good is he going to be week one? Yeah, I mean, he he's one. It's, it's kind of hard to trust him a little bit because – it's you don't know how healthy he is, and when he is healthy, he tries to do. He doesn't try and compensate for those injuries. He tries to still play like he does when he's completely healthy, and that puts him in bad situations. It puts the team in bad situations. So, I mean, he's a guy to me that's slipping down. I personally probably won't take him as a QB one, maybe as a backup, um, if if at the right position he's still available. Um, but yeah, definitely dropping down, but. Uh, like, like you said, with the Andrew Luck comparison, we, we don't know where his mind is at this point. Cause he does keep getting these just nagging injuries that, you know, every single year. So. Yeah. And he, he even said in an interview that he may be at a hundred percent. He just, his mind doesn't feel at a hundred percent. He doesn't feel like he's all the way recovered. Um, and then you add a whole new injury in his ankle on top of that. It just makes you wonder how prepared he's going to be, even if he's healthy to go in week one. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it's going. I mean, if he's not there mentally, obviously that's a huge, a huge uh, concern. If you're the, you know, the coaching staff or a teammate, you know, I want to know that my guy's there, that he's got my back, that, you know, he's putting in as much work to win this. I am. And, and if you have any of that doubt in there, then, you know, that's obviously going to create doubt throughout the rest of the team. And, you know, it's, it's just going to put that attitude over the team that that's not going to help them be productive. on the field. So, so in another falling stock, I've got the Chiefs Carlos Hyde. Um, when Damian Williams was injured, he ran with the ones in camp. He started every preseason game with the ones. Um, Darwin Thompson, the rookie, stepped up, started playing better. Damian Williams comes back this week. He's demoted all the way to four string and he's playing in the fourth quarter. Um, that backfield is going to be crowded. You know, Damian Williams is going to stay. You know Darwin Thompson's going to stay. I don't know how many running backs they bring, but Carlos Hyde might be on the cut bubble. Yeah, I think he's – I mean, he's a guy that in the past he's shown that he can have success in the league. He's shown that that he could be that running back one. I just don't think he's at that point in his career anymore. And if you can have a young guy like Darwin Thompson, that's going to give you that same production for a cheaper contract. Uh, that's obviously putting you on the cut bubble. So uh, I – I'm still hoping he makes the team because I think he can help the team. I think he can add that toughness and that physicality from the back backfield. But uh, I'd say right now it's 50-50 at best. All right. Then as a falling stock, I didn't single out one player here, but I'm just going to kind of put the entire Packers offense. (laughs) We haven't seen anything from them all preseason. I don't think they've played their starters at all. Aaron Rodgers hasn't seen the field. Um, They go up to that nightmarish game and, Winnipeg, Canada, where they get there and the field goal posts had been moved and there's gaping holes in the end zone. So they cut it down to 80 yard field. The Packers decide to sit 33 of their starters. Um, it's just, it's not that they're going to be bad. It's just, I, I personally have no idea what's going on with the Packers right now. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those, what concerns me is they're not going to have that rhythm that our, other teams are going, you know, are, are going to have going into the season. So they may not get going until week three or four in terms of just, you know, that full powered offense. And, uh, you know, when you're, when you got a new coaching staff and you've got a new offensive scheme in there, that's not something, you know, you need those reps. You need to be able to practice those in a game situation against another team. And so if you're drafting someone like an uh, an Aaron Rodgers or a Jones or, you know, even a Devontae Adams, you know, thinking you're going to get this production out of them and all of a sudden you slip the first three or four weeks, you know, your fantasy season could be over by the time these guys get going. If you start off 0-3, your season is is it's going to be hard to come back from that in any fantasy league. I don't want to say it's over, but it's it's for all intents and purposes. It's over at that point. Um, so it's, I mean, that's someone that I don't want to take or take a shot on. Uh, I want to know what I'm getting whenever I go into a season. I want to know that a guy is healthy, that a guy is playing well, that he's adjusting to the new scheme and that he's adjusting with the new players around him. And we haven't been able to see that with green Bay. So yeah, their entire offense is, 
is uh, dropping dra- you know, dramatically on my board. So, and don't get me wrong, I'm sure any any team that's going to have an Aaron Rodgers on, it's probably going to do some damage on offense. It's just it's such an unknown that I don't know that I'm willing to waste the. I mean, maybe Devontae Adams would be one that I would draft super high. Um, I don't have Aaron Rodgers in my top five quarterbacks right now, and I don't. I won't do it until he comes back. Here's the thing that a lot of people don't understand either. When they're in practice, sure, they're they're getting the plays, the crazier plays in preseason. They have to kind of vanilla all the plays up. They're running those plays, in, but they're not doing full tackles. They're not doing full-on big hits, taking them to the ground. That's what the preseason to me is all about. Aaron Rodgers hasn't been sacked to the ground at all yet. So we don't really know how it's going to be because he doesn't get touched in practice. We don't know how the running backs and wide receivers are going to be whenever they're getting drilled by safeties. So that to me is what the preseason's all about. And uh, none of the starters have really had any shot to do that yet. I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, unfortunate that, that they're going to be going into the season like this. Cause I, 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 I'm sure they're doing it from a, a health precaution to make sure they go into the season as healthy as they possibly can. But I think from a rhythm standpoint and a chemistry standpoint, you're you're really uh, setting yourself back, especially with the new coach. I mean, we've seen it in the past where people skip the whole preseason and get injured week one. So to me, it's not as much of a – I mean, yes, it does suck when your players get hurt in the preseason, but they could easily – just as easily get hurt on the very first play of, of week one. So it's uh, to me, it's worth at least getting him in there for a drive or two to feel that game, that speed of the game and the impact that the players are going to have. So uh, speaking of that game, <laughs> I know the NFL is trying to do this outreach for international games, but that game was just a joke, right? I mean, 80 yard field, no kickoffs. They had the 10 yard line was the goal line. Players didn't know where they were at on the field. It was just a mess, right? Absolutely. It was something that to me, I'm not sure why the game was played there. Um, it was supposed to technically be a, a home game for the Raiders. So I don't know if you're not going to play it in Oakland and give those fans an, you know, an extra game when they're about to lose their team, at least play it in Las Vegas where the team's going, like give the, give the fans a taste of what they're getting in Vegas uh, or, you know, the product and, and what it's going to be like to have an NFL team there. So I'm not quite sure why they chose Winnipeg and, and, and if, if you're going to choose Canada or you're going to, you know, it's kind of like last year with the, the chiefs Rams game. It's, you know, if you're going to choose these places, make sure it's a place you can rely on the field actually being ready. Um, it shouldn't be something where you show up a couple days before and go, Oh, Hey, by the way, there's big giant holes in the field. Uh, I guess we're going to shrink the field and that, that, that shouldn't even be an option. You know, that's the other part. That's the other part I didn't understand because they play the Bills play in Toronto a couple times a year, and it's also a CFL field, and they don't have a problem moving the goalposts. I don't know why Winnipeg had a problem, or if maybe they didn't think they had a problem. I know John Gruden had said they didn't personally have a problem with the field, and that it was all coming from the Packers officials. But to me, if you're going to do this and and you're going to do this international stuff, you've got to give the best product period. And last year we saw the catastrophe with the Mexico field. Now we've seen the Canadian field. Like I can't hardly believe that NFL can't send people up there to make sure that there's proper equipment and fields for these games to happen. I mean, it's if, if you want to do an outreach, you got to make sure these fans aren't going to be able in other countries, aren't going to be able to get into the game if we're not putting the best product forward. And if you're not willing, like you said, to send people down ahead, ahead of time to look at these fields, to check them out, to make sure that, you know, they fit the, the NFL standards, then, then why should all these fans get into it? You know, we're not, we're not willing to give them the extra effort to, uh, to give them the proper facilities yet at the same time, we want them to give the, us the extra effort to, uh, to watch our game, to watch, you know, to, to, to learn what we love. Uh, it's, it's not really giving them much incentive. So, it's uh i mean you gotta you gotta put some effort into that thing and you gotta put an effort into finding the right fields and the right cities and and making sure this stuff's ready to go for these guys yeah i mean imagine first of all if you're a canadian going to watch the raiders and packers preseason game with no starters playing first of all is not the best product right off the bat second of all you're there and gonna be so confused because you're used to the cfl rules which are similar to the nfl rules but all of a sudden they move the goal line to the 10 yard line. So technically the goal line would be out of bounds. So when guys are, 
they even had some of that where guys would be running into the end zone. They had no idea if they were in the end zone or not because the, the end zone was still open, but they, they were technically scoring already by the 10 yard line. It was just a complete disaster. Everything I've heard coming out of Canada, they said that the ticket prices were like 250 Canadian dollars. So the crazy prices and then, and probably not even close to the best product they could have gotten. I mean, it's, I, I feel bad for those fans. We didn't give it. The NFL didn't give them what they deserve, especially for that type of money. Uh, we got to give people better products than that. So speaking of that, a lot of hype or not hype, I guess it could be hype, but a lot of talk has been coming up about reducing the preseason, especially seeing some of these injuries and how bored people are getting with these preseason games. Do you think they should go down to two games? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would be shocked if it's four games next year. Um, there's to me, there's no way that they're going to keep four games. Um, I think two game. I mean, I, I, I do wish uh, they would keep at least maybe three because like I, I've said it in past episodes, you know, those fringe players, those borderline players, uh, they need some of this time to, to show off and show what they can do, show that they can contribute to the team. Um, but I, I think there's no way that there's, there's four of them next year. I mean, from a from a regular season standpoint, you really only need to go out there, let your starters, you know, get a couple reps in in each game and, and call it good, and then use the rest of the game to determine the depth on your team. I'll tell you what I'd like to see. Coming as a, as a hardcore college football fan from Nebraska, one of the biggest things we've got is the spring game every year. I would like to see, say for the Chiefs, an inter-squad scrimmage at Arrowhead Stadium um, that isn't even televised just because they want to keep that revenue for ticket sales. And that's the real hurdle here is that the owners don't want to lose two games worth of ticket sales. Um, I don't know how much money's really in the preseason since it's all local market, but even broadcast in local market, but do an inner squad sc- scrimmage that'll allow them to run a more deep playbook because you're not having to worry about the other team stealing your stuff. I'd like to see that just to keep the owners happy, but I just don't know that they're going to go from four to two with the money that they're going to lose without increasing the regular season games. I mean, I think that's going to be, that's the biggest thing is the owners aren't going to want to lose the money, but at the same time, eventually when they redo this new CBA, the players, I don't think will agree to four games anymore. They're going to want it worked into uh, work down to, to at least two games. And, and uh, when it's heading that way, anyways, you might as well just go ahead and get ahead of it. Uh, you know, give the players what they want, kind of a, a sign of good faith and uh, and move on. Yeah, I agree. Um, and that's one of the crazy parts about this whole preseason. I, I feel like I don't want to say it's a kind of a silent protest, but I feel like every year that they keep it at four games, you see less and less of the starters to where eventually the preseason is just going to be battle of backups. And then they're going to start losing money anyway because who really wants to go watch? I mean, maybe maybe people like me and you, but who? What normal fans want to go in and watch third and fourth string guys battle it out? I mean, no one wants to pay for that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's like I like watching it. I've gone to you know quite a few preseason games over the last 15, 20 years. Uh, I enjoy seeing that because it's a lot of it's the time the only time of the year you'll see a lot of these guys play. And so I personally enjoy it, but at the same time, you know, if I'm taking someone that's not into football to a preseason game, they're going to be bored out of their mind. Uh, the atmosphere isn't the same. They're not getting the same product. Uh, so, th- I mean, there's really not a, a, a lot of point to it, honestly. Yeah. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I hope that they kind of fix it because at this point, I'm just ready for the regular season. <laughs> Preseason's kind of growing old on me like it always does about this time. Uh, the next game, you can you can virtually guarantee there won't be any starters playing next week. Hundred percent. So, what else did you have? Anything else stand out to you in week three of the preseason? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think just in those games where the starters did play, um, you know, I'm looking at like the Dallas Houston one. Obviously, we see the the downside of the preseason. Houston losing Lamar Miller for the season, but we also, from the flip side, we see the upside for Dallas. Um, I mean, they just dismantled Houston on every level. Uh, they had eight sacks for the game. They had a block, uh, a blocked punt return for a touchdown. Offense looked good. Defense looked great. 
Um, so I think for a team with Super Bowl aspirations, you know, for them, it was a great game for Tex, you know, the Texans, another team with Super Bowl aspirations. It was a terrible game. Um, you know, we see again, Daniel Jones playing well, uh, some of these performances throughout, throughout the preseason. I mean, you're, you're kind of starting to see everything come together, take shape. Um, and so, I mean, it was, it was interesting to see some of these guys, some of the starters play significant time. We talked about Jimmy Garoppolo earlier, having his bounce back game, uh, even Patrick Mahomes having a bit of a bounce back game. Uh, you know, he didn't really play well the last preseason game, but he came back, had a great game this time. Uh, took a couple chances. I didn't like seeing his last play of the game when he had that, <laughs> that, that scramble and then he dove head first. Um, and you can see the, the smile on his face. He knew he was done as soon as he did that dive. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it was, it was fun to see people like Patrick Mahomes taking it seriously and having fun with it. Uh, we see Dak Prescott after the game yesterday um, or after that, the, the game with the Texans, sorry. Uh, talking about how he wishes he could play every play of the preseason because he just wants to play football, uh, and and so seeing seeing the season take shape, building up, getting that excitement going, um, and then just seeing some of those performances, you know, it really gets me going. It gets me excited. I'm ready to go. Um, I'm ready to get to week one already. So speaking of the Cowboys, we wouldn't have a complete episode if we didn't talk about. Ezekiel Elliott's holdout. We kind of talked about Melvin Gordon having really no progress. Um, it sounds like the Cowboys offered Zeke a contract that would make him higher paid than Le'Veon Bell, but lower paid than Todd Gurley, uh, maybe with some bonuses that get him up closer to the number one. And from all reports I've seen, he turned it down. He's on his way back to Cabo. Um, what do you think about that contract? Do you think that's pretty fair? Or do you think he deserves to be the one? Um. I, I I think it's fair. I think he wants to be number one. Um, I do think it's a fair contract. I think when you look at a guy that has two years left on his contract, um, he's he's obligated to play for that uh, contractually. Uh, and for the team, even though he hasn't been acting the, the greatest, I don't think he's been acting as bad as some people seem to think he's acting, but uh, he still hasn't acted how he should. For them to still come out and offer him the second highest paid running back in the league. Um, I, I think that's a big uh, sign of confidence uh, from Dallas to uh, Zeke. I think he does want to be number one, but at this point, I think he needs to sign the contract, get into camp, get as much practice in as he can before week one and just go and play football. I did hear somebody reported. It was a, a source closer to the Cowboys that said they fully expect a deal to be done by week one. Um, whether that means that the Joneses are going to go up to number one, which I can only assume if they're that close already and they really want him on the team that it'll happen by week one. Um, does this affect your draft on him? I've seen him going as low as mid second round. Um, if he signed tomorrow, he would be probably the number three pick. So where, where do you think he lands? Uh, I mean, if if we were drafting right this second and I had a top two or three pick, I don't take him. If I've got pick five and below uh, or five or later, I would probably take him. Um, I'm not I still wouldn't take him in the top three at this moment. But if like you said, if he was to sign a minute from now, and we drafted two minutes from now, I would take him at number two, maybe number three. Yeah. So keep an eye on that. Hopefully it gets done here quick. And he gets into into camp. And the only other question I have, and it sounds like he's been keeping in great shape, working out all the time. But you see a few years ago, Le'Veon Bell holds out before he held out for the whole year. He held out for the whole preseason. He came in. He really didn't get up to speed till week four or five of the season. Uh, do you see anything like that happening with Zeke? If he comes in right before the season starts, is he going to be rusty? I think he'll be a little bit rusty. I don't think it will take him quite as long as Le'Veon Bell to get going. Uh, Le'Veon Bell isn't the the contact runner that Zeke is. I think once Zeke gets in and gets hit a few times, he's going to be good to go. Um, from what I've heard, he's actually lost a little bit of weight and his 40 time has actually gotten faster. So I expect him to be a little quicker. Uh, hopefully he's kept that power. But I mean, I, I could see one or two games that'll take him to get going. But after that, I expect to be in in uh, in in full speed. All right, we'll keep an eye on that and keep you updated. One of the things I was excited about, 
yesterday, meaningful football happened. Miami versus Florida. So that means college football is right around the corner. Um, officially started this weekend. So I'm I'm super psyched about meaningful football coming back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're we're both huge college football uh fans. Uh every, every year. I mean, there's so many great games. And and really, if you're an NFL fan, even if you're not a college fan, you need to watch uh you need to watch the college games because a lot of these guys are the guys you're gonna be rooting for next season or two seasons from now. So even if you're not a college fan, just watch the games because there's you know, you see these guys play with a lot of passion. A lot of the, a lot of these guys, it's the last time they'll be playing football. When they're in college, that's it. They're done after that because they're not going to go to the NFL and they're not going to go to the CFL. And, uh, you know, and how they play kind of reflects that. So, like I said, even if you're not a college fan, uh, you know, if you don't have that college team, go out and find a team or go out and find some players that you really want to root for. Because, you know, like I said, they it could be the last time you ever see them play. And vice versa, it could be those guys you root for tomorrow. Uh, or next season, you know, it could be your first round pick or your seventh round pick or your undrafted rookie free agent that's out of nowhere and makes the team. So it, it's something I, I I look forward to every year. I have as much fun watching college football as I do the NFL. Exactly. I've got my tickets. I'll be at the opening Husker game on Saturday. So I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, I will be watching uh, the Longhorn game, well, Longhorn game and the uh, TCU game Saturday, the Longhorn our fantasy draft uh during that game so i'll be i'll be focused you know my focus will be split a little bit but you know i should still be fine awesome so that's all we got for this week what do you got in store next week mike Uh, next week we're going to be covering any breaking news that happens between now and then uh with the nfl we'll be getting you ready for week one uh hopefully be going over you know how we a little bit um We'll we'll have actually two drafts between now and the next episode, uh, so we'll we'll be going over that a little bit just to kind of walk you through who we picked, how how high we picked them, why we picked them, uh, players we missed out on potentially. Uh, we'll be getting you ready for week one of the NFL season. We'll be touching on college football uh, um, and and just kind of dabbling into that a little bit. So and and if there's any big upsets. Uh, getting you ready for the week two matchups of college football, week one matchups of the NFL season. So we have a lot of really great stuff coming up. Uh, it's going to be a great episode. You're not going to want to miss it. All right. Stay tuned next week. Mm-hmm.